Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cigars and Syndication. I'm Robbie Rogers, and um, we're at part two of the housing shortage. Uh, still enjoying this uh, Don Carlos 2019. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Junaid Noor. Yes, I'm still loving this Don Carlos 2019. And, you know, if we could just, you know, cigars and syndications, but I think it's more about the cigars. I, I really enjoy the cigars more than I do the syndication part. I really, I do too. Um, I could sit here and smoke cigars all day and talk about whatever. As long as we've got something uh, comparable to this uh, Don Carlos, I'm in. So in continuing our, why do we have a housing crisis right now or a shortage in housing right now? Um, in the last episode, we talked about how the Fed kind of started this domino effect and they reached their their maximum interest rate as they were hiking rates uh, to 5.34% in September 2006. And because of that, because of mark-to-market accounting, because of the bundling of loans and and the types of, and the quality of those loans being so low, and because of the loans being given out on the housing, uh, on single-family homes to anybody with a heartbeat, now we have this oversupply of houses, no buyers in the market, no money to lend, no liquidity, so the Fed has to react. So after all the turmoil, the the Feds started to drop the rates in a reaction to the housing crisis. Right. So in about 2008, where you really had the the, the crux of the housing crisis and, you know, housing starts are dropping. And again, you know, if, if anybody wants to look at my article at Albany Park, capital.com hit the resources button i have an article with a with a really nice chart that points out when the fed started raising rates and when they started dropping rates but so yeah the fed starts dropping rates now in reaction to the housing crisis and the fed is not just dropping rates but they're putting money into the market right so the nobody's buying the treasuries but the fed is buying their treasuries which is what they called uh, quantitative easing, easing, right? So in quantitative easing, the Fed, the Treasury auctions the U.S. bonds and the Federal Reserve Bank buys them printing money. So they pushed a lot of money into the market and uh, in order to try and stabilize the economy and they started bringing the interest rate down. And by t- January of 2009, the interest rate, believe it or not, the Fed rate was 0.12%, so less than 1%. That's really crazy. And, and I, I do really like that chart that you put up uh, in the article. And it really shows the correlation between interest rate and home starts, which I think is incredibly interesting. So uh, in 2009, January of 2009, the Fed has hit a bottom out 0.12% interest rate, the housing market bottoms out and then starts picking up again. So you'll see an increase in housing starts. But the interesting thing is you'll see an an increase in total housing starts, but single family homes, and you can see the chart on um, online when you look at the uh, article, there's a big divergence between single family homes and total houses, which includes multifamily, total, total housing units, which includes multifamily homes. So the single-family homes are kind of going very slow, and developers are being very cautious, you know, and uh, there's still a lot of... The reason being is that 
banks are still holding a lot of these assets, uh, single family homes on their books, and they're just starting to offload everything. You know, the other thing that's kind of interesting about the 2008 uh, versus today, I feel like back then the the housing values uh, dropped substantially with uh, along with the crisis. And then today, fast forward to today, and we don't see that same drop in home value. And I think it's a direct correlation to the, the shortage. Right. It is a direct correlation to the demand. So in 2008, people couldn't get loans. They didn't have jobs. They couldn't find, uh, they didn't want to buy houses. Uh, so you, and you had a lot of houses. So you had an oversupply. Now the market starts correcting itself. So what happens is that, you know, in 2009, they bottom out. Housing starts go back up. The Fed is, uh, it has stabilized interest rates at a low rate. And now you start seeing this increase from 2009 to 2020. And 2020, which was the next big event that happened, was COVID-19. Well, do you think that the the home value that we see today, do you think that it is, it's going to maintain and stabilize? Or do you think it's just going to be, uh, is it just, is it coming later? Is this something that, that that's going to pass and the home values are going to stay uh, somewhat high? Or do you think that there is a reckoning in you that the home value will eventually maybe have a, a take a hit. So here we are, um, you know, the, the, so I don't think that the, uh, that how the house values are going to, are going to drop anytime soon. And as they have in the past, uh, because we're going to mix in that third portion of the reason we have a housing shortage is demographics. So now you have this generation called millennials who, were in 2008, they were 15, 16 years old. Now they're 25, 26. They're looking for housing. They're looking for apartment, uh, apart, uh, rental apartments, or they're looking for houses to buy, but there's no housing to be had, right? We had this oversupply and builders went bankrupt. There was no liquidity in the market. People stopped building. And now fast forward to, you know, 2009, uh, the Fed has, has, has stabilized interest rates housing supply is coming back up, uh, interest rates are low, but it's just not coming up fast enough to meet the demand of all of these, essentially who were children during the 2008 recession, are now adults and they want houses. And there's so many of them, there's just not enough houses to be had. So to compound the problem with the, the slow starts on the new construction side, um, uh, people are living longer. The baby boomers are still in their houses. They're not, their houses aren't available for the millennials. And that's also um, another problem is that just people are in their houses. They have lower interest rates, so they don't have uh, the desire to move out into a bigger house and have a bigger, higher interest rate. That's correct. So the existing inventory is not available. Uh, new inventory is not coming onto the market fast enough just because developers are being more cautious now. You know, they took that hit back in 2008 and, you know, they, they learned from their mistakes. They don't want to do this again. Um, and you see this divergence on the, on the chart that I put up between multifamily and single family homes. So total housing units are increasing. Multifamily is increasing rapidly. Single family is increasing very slowly. 
So what happens is that by 2020, <clears throat> by 2020, the um, market is stabilizing, people are getting their homes, people are, are, you know, the interest rates are still relatively low, and and uh, the baby boom, the the baby boomers are, you know, still staying in their existing houses. The type of housing starts changing, right? Baby boomers want to start moving into maybe condominiums or senior living. Those are being constructed, and so new inventory is coming uh, onto the market through construction as well as existing inventory. And then, boom, COVID nineteen hits. Speaking of COVID, during COVID, I did. Uh, have to work from home for several weeks, and I did enjoy several cigars. I uh, didn't get a chance to enjoy this Don Carlos, but um, I will definitely keep a couple of these in my humidor. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this is a great, this is a really, really great smoke. Um, so continuing on, these poor millennials who, you know, are in their 20s and 30s are just, you know, saved up money, getting ready to buy homes, COVID-19 hits, and COVID-19 caused a huge supply constraint, right? People are, are not available to work. People are getting sick. Supply chain is constrained all over the world. There's no lumber coming in. And I, you know, being in construction, pre-COVID, lumber was $350 for a thousand linear feet. It went up to, I think, as high as $1,400 for a thousand linear feet. So now all of a sudden, even the developers who had plans who had permits don't want to buy the lumber and don't want to continue adding more to the supply shortage well and then you had the people because of covid that moved out of the city uh, and so it kind of changed the market in that regard as well and now because of covid we had a supply constraint we you know as we get as we got out of covid and supply started coming back online, and people were able to buy their houses, the Fed turns around and, and starts raising interest rates again. You know, it, it's, it's always, you know, I think history is incredibly important, you know, moving, moving through your life. I, I do think history repeats itself. I think this time it's a little different than it was last time. Uh, the results may be similar, but how do, you, how, do we, uh, how do we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps? How do we, how do we trudge through this? So we have to understand that the demographics are such that every year a new set of adults, they graduated college, they're, you know, they're working a good job, are entering the market to be able to purchase a house or to find a place to live, right? They're moving out of their parents' houses, uh, they're getting married they want to buy a house or they want to move into their own apartment or they get a job someplace and, you know, uh, somewhere else and they need to get housing. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't see any changes in uh, the shortages increasing, at least for the next five years. And the reason being is because, you know, as of June of 2023, the Fed is pausing their interest rate hikes, but the economy is still hot. You know, when COVID-19 happened, the Fed, again, pushed a lot of money into the economy to keep the economy afloat, right? People were getting stimulus checks because they weren't working and the Fed needed to make sure or the federal government needed to make sure that people are able to pay their rent and their mortgages. Well, as a result, we had the United States had some of the highest savings rates that they've ever had in, in our history. 
And as COVID-19 ended, um, people were back out in the market looking for bigger houses because what if this happens again? We need a bigger house in case we need to work from home or do school from home. So people started looking for larger homes, but there are not that many larger homes to be had. And as a result of all this money that's pushed back into the market, you know, savings are there. People are kind of getting antsy. They're getting cabin fever. They start traveling. They start buying cars. They start buying houses. Uh, but because interest rates are high and uh, the Fed has pushed those interest rates high, developers are not developing fast enough. Well, with, with, the, with the interest rates rising, um, sometimes I think out of adversity, there is innovation. And I think, I think the, the BTR, the build to rent concept, is, is, a, is a child of, of these uh, circumstances. No, absolutely. Uh, build to rent, uh, multifamily rentals, because a lot of people are just preferring there's not houses out there, right? Oh, and by the way, people who have existing homes who have 2 and 3% mortgages that they got 10 years ago um, are not going to want to sell their existing home because they'd have to go into an 8% mortgage or a 7% mortgage. So there's no existing inventory on the market either. Right, and it re- greatly reduces how much house you can afford. So they're really, they're not going to improve their their quality of home with these higher interest rates. Absolutely. So, you know, I don't think over the next five years, I don't think that, um, you know, with, with builders slowing down again, multifamilies slowing down, um, single family homes are slowing down because... The interest rate, again, we're getting back into that cycle, right? Interest rates are going up again. And anybody who can withdraw uh, money can, you know, is, has, has a line of credit they can draw on. Liquidity is there, but it's costing more money to build those houses. And they may not be able to sell them for that because on the other end, mortgages are high. They're 7% right now. Yeah. And with the tightening of credit, um, it's becoming tougher and tougher to get loans. Uh, and, and it's just going to, it's, it's not going to, uh, it's not going to ease up anytime soon. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it will. I don't think it's going to, it's going to go down anytime soon. And at least for the next five years. And remember, in, 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 uh, in an inflationary environment, assets do very well. Hard assets do very well. So, you know, if you can get your hands on a, on a house that you can buy, that's a good price. Um, you know, I would suggest buy it, invest in multifamily, invest in BTR, uh, because those those assets are just going to keep going up in value. They're just there's just not enough of them, and until the supply starts increasing, which is not going to happen until the Fed reduces rates. Well, if you jump on AlbanyParkCapital.com, Jay's got a wonderful article that he's written uh, with an amazing graph. Really simplifies everything. Um, Hopefully everybody uh, learned a little something about the housing shortage. And um, I say keep investing and keep smoking good smokes. Yeah, thank you for joining us. And, you know, as a little homework assignment, keep your eye on the Fed. Keep your eye on the uh, the uh, indices of uh, housing starts and permits. And that kind of gives you an idea of where everything's going. And, you know, things started moving up a little bit. But they're not going to move up that fast until the Fed starts reducing interest rates. And it doesn't look like they're going to do anything, at least for the remainder of 2023. We'll see you next time.